Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. It's on, it's live, it's cranking, and he's back. He is back. And we've been scheduling... You know, I once scheduled with the president of the United States. Not really. That's not a real truth. That's, that's a fake, <laughs> fake story. But no, I've, I've tried to schedule with some pretty important people in my day, but this one has, has been a rodeo, busy schedules all around. And I, but such a good guy. So I'm stoked to reintroduce you all to the guest today branding, digital marketing, EBM, thought leader, marketer to the stars, speaker. B2B People's Choice Award winner for the best B2B content of the year. What? Whoa. Vice President of Marketing at Terminus, Justin Keller. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, Casey. Hi, everybody. That was the nicest series of things that has ever been said about me in my entire life. So I'm, I got more, man. I had to, I'm going to shut up now and just not ruin anything. <laughs> it's true. It's, all, it's like literally all downhill from here, right? It's like, exactly. it doesn't sound at all like what Casey was talking about. Who is this? Who is this joker? <laughs> Well, man, you're back, and you know I bet you missed this just as much as I have. But let me pass this to you. Looks like you've been working out since we last chatted. Here it is. It's heavy. Ugh. Okay. Holy crap. Here you go. You got it. Thor's hammer. It's Thor's hammer. Oh my gosh. Yeah, grab it. You're gonna grab I, it. I'm, I'm gonna... Right, there you go. Okay. Uh, all, right. Uh. <laughs> all right. So take Thor's hammer, and like you did last time, crush for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. I okay. I, and this is a big smash. This is a big, I'm thank you for giving me Thor's hammer because that's what's necessary for this. Totally. I have been thinking so much about like B2B, just B2B marketing writ large, right? And yeah. I think um, it, we suck. <laughs> that's it. We, the last 15 years, we have gotten so wrapped around the axle of like metrics, like dealing with heads of sales, dealing with CFOs, dealing with trying to generate leads dealing with trying to integrate tech together that we have completely lost the plot on what marketing is. And that's like, I mean, it's sad. I feel like we've lost a generation of marketers um, because all of these B2B marketers are here trying to like, they're, they're being mechanics. They're trying to build machines that create new business and they have taken their eye off of the ball of what true marketing is. And I think that's, um, it's kind of sad because true marketing should be about wild campaigns, telling really great stories, art and copy. And I feel like because, just because of the nature of things, I mean, it's no one's fault, but that whole generation of marketers has like not sharpened their knives to be really, really powerful marketers, like capital M marketers. And I think that's a bummer. Yeah, man, I, I, as you're describing, I'm thinking, yeah. I mean, you, you rattled off like metrics, aligning with sales, talking to the CFO about metrics, lead gen, right? Like marketing mm -hmm. ops. There's like all these different like disciplines is so many things. You had me confused. I was like, oh shit, I don't even know. What is marketing, right? So I know you start, what would you, what would you say? What is, what is the true marketing that we've lost? Put the mechanics overalls down for a second. What, mm -hmm. what's like our calling? What's our prime directive? I'll tell you what, I, um, and I'm, I'm, first of all, no shade. Like I'm as guilty of this as anyone is. I, oh, when I was coming shade, up the ranks, man, just throw shade good. everywhere. <laughs> I thought when I was a, a little young marketer that if I wanted to be a CMO one day, I had to get 
deadly good at numbers, right? I went and got an MBA that I'm still paying for. I say, because I thought, MBA? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because I thought numbers is what matters here in marketing. And now that I'm really good at marketers and I understand how the machine works, I'm like, well, this is not the point of it at all. Like the, and also no shade towards our marketing operations friends. I think they are extremely critical, but they are what helps a brand sing. And unless your brand is able to really kind of like hit the high notes and, and really be loud and proud, um, it doesn't matter how great the system is, right? And so yeah. when I think of what marketing is, you know, when back back to when I was trying to think like, I've got to be really good at numbers if I want to be a CMO. It's because I thought that um, the other side of marketing, the softer side of marketing, like what we call fluffy marketing was not important. And that is so wrong. I think that it is so much more important than any other thing a marketer does. And we just haven't given marketers the space or the like the room to be creative, the room to kind of take risks like that, that um, no one's very good at it. And it's, it's too bad because I think uh, B2C has taken all those marketers, B2C marketers, like that's their job. And we feel like we are not allowed to have fun or we're not allowed to be, you know, in that, that, that pantheon of, of cool marketers. And I think we should take the mic back. And I think we should kind of like, I mean, I'm not, I, hopefully maybe this happens now. If we could ignite a sea change of marketers thinking, B2B marketers thinking more about that, I think the world would be a little bit of a cooler place because think about all like the exhaust that happens as a byproduct of that kind of like very um, operational lead generated marketing. It's just noise, it's spam, it's irrelevance. And it's kind of like, there's no joy. It's very tough to bring joy and inspiration when you are trying to hit a lead goal for the number or for the quarter. Yeah. And, and, and I guess to your earlier point, it, yes, all these parts are needed. And, and we're not saying like, cast aside your lead gen or cast aside your, you know, your ops team. And obviously all these things are needed to address certain problems. I think what we're getting at is that problems aside what was what was the actual goal that marketing had in the first place or what should it its actual goal be above and beyond yes yes numbers but what do the numbers prove or what are the numbers a result of it's almost like these are all indicators after the fact and we're asking well what's the target out in front where are you planting that flag and the softer stuff almost becomes like a cliche we're like oh yeah the mad men days or something yeah. but but there's something about the mad men days yes they were missing certain things no they didn't have campaign tracking that well but um but so what what is it what is that softer fluffier side what it what what is that that we're seeking that we should be seeking it is i think it's i mean and this is nothing new it's storytelling like us marketers always say we're storytellers and that's the point of it at the end of the day what does a story mean right um and I think that's where it gets really tough. I think there are so many people that are not fortunate enough to work for companies whose products they really believe in or who are super passionate about it. And that becomes like, it's really tough to be a phenomenal storyteller about a, a kind of a, you know, niche B2B product, let's call it. Um, but I think that's kind of like, if it, I've been in this position before though, I have sold extremely, I hope my old bosses aren't listening, it's extremely boring products before to extremely boring people. Should and I look up your LinkedIn right now. And please do. Yeah. Because I know sure Sixter wasn't boring. <laughs> no, no, it was not. This was, was back exciting. in the day. Um, but we uh, like to prove my point, we did a really good job. Like we were in a very boring, I mean, this is IT tech, like, I mean, in enterprise IT tech, right? Kind of the boringest sure. of the boring. That and boring. we have been there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Unless you're in IT, in which case it's super exciting. 
if you're in IT, um, I'm thrilled for you, and I hope you, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Back it's okay, this is the hardcore <laughs> IT show, so nobody cares. It's marketing here. We're all safe. It's a safe place for marketers. <laughs> um, but we had that audience. We went really hard at being creative, trying to build community, having fun, not taking ourselves seriously, really trying to build a connection, really trying to tell a, a, a fresh story in a fresh way. And yeah. it worked. We, this is probably not, um, let me try and think of a PC way to say this. We were playing, it's like we were playing basketball against uh, a, killed, a children's team. Like we mm. were just able to dunk on them over and over again. And it's one of those things where I just don't understand why people don't do it. If it's, you know what, especially if you're in a boring industry, why wouldn't you go the other direction and not try to build the highest performance marketing engine you can, but go the other, I mean, outperform your competition because of your level of creativity, your boldness, your willingness to take risks. Because, I mean, it, if you're building a performance marketing engine, it's diminishing returns, right? Yeah. You're at some point, you're shaving cents off of a, a CPC. You can commoditize real quick. Exactly. But if you are able to go out and like, tell a big loud story that i mean it might not go viral but at least the people that are paying attention to you or you're going to raise an eyebrow that's way more important than shaving a couple cents off your cpc yeah yeah um i think about that analogy of when they when they always uh pick on professors they're like those who can't do teach or something like that but but i think there's some safety behind the mechanics um and building structures and infrastructure and process and flow because it's a known quantity, you yeah. know, you can read my book, you, you can get some tools and you, you can build this thing. The challenge is when you go, okay, I can nurture people now. What do I want to say? And yeah. then you're like, oh shit. And so a lot of people don't get that far because across all the marketing, yes, the tech is exciting and, and is getting cooler and cooler, but you got to have that some, you got to have a story to tell. Otherwise it doesn't matter how, how much you spend on your marketing automation or your ABM tech. Like you got to have a story yeah. and it's not easy. <laughs> it's not. And, and this is probably why like the moral of the story, I got really, really good at math. Like I can, you know, do recursive analysis if I Man. wanted to, it, I'm not trying to flex here. That's pretty No, you're flexing because like, I tried, I, I mean, I, I tried taking stats as a summer course and didn't do well in it <laughs> as a retake. <laughs> no, what, what the hardest part is like, what's that? You, if you're paying $25,000 for a billboard, what does that billboard say? That's so much harder than math. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of like where I would like to challenge people on this, this, this call, like, Great, build the hell out of that performance marketing team. Like, but tell me that's harder than trying to create something that's going to get people to pay attention. That's so much harder. And I think that's why you're exactly right, Casey. Like, people hide behind those numbers because if I've got a baseline, I know that I only have to prove, improve a little bit to prove that I'm valuable to the company and that I won't get fired. And I think that's a safe place to be. Yeah. And you can take a big swing and miss too and, and, and miss that number entirely. So it's a lot riskier and I get it. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, I think that that attitude is ruining B2B marketing. It's making all of our messages so dull and spammy and uninteresting that it kind of just, it's, it's poisoning the well, like, yeah, because everyone's marketing is so kind of bland and beige. No one's is, I mean, it makes maybe, you know, makes it look noisier for everyone else, but it also makes the people that are absolute superstars really stand out and have a really powerful brand. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think. That's that madman thing. It's kind of a classic 
beat that beat that up of like oh they didn't know but but um they're they're telling stories for sure and they didn't they didn't have much tech to hide behind at all like we could run this on tv and you do you remember those i'm thinking back to some of the is that like the 50s i don't even know what age that yeah. was. they chose like the client comes in they show this like illustration that some like cartoonist actually just drew there with marker you know and they're like oh this is your brand you know and they're eating your butter or they're driving your chevrolet or something they couldn't hide behind anything and yeah. sometimes those graphics were cheesy as hell but if the story was good it didn't matter you know dude there's a great documentary i don't know it might be on netflix but it's called art and copy and, and copy? it's art and copy it's about the way marketing used to be before technology basically and marketing teams were two different teams there was the art team and the copy team the copy team would say hey here's a really great message this message is good we're going to pass along to the art team the art team builds whatever the ad is for it and boom that's your that's that was marketing back in the day yeah and um this is kind of like the ogilvy area era rather also yeah. uh, another thing ogilvy on advertising is a phenomenal book it's gosh 60 maybe years old at this point and you read it and you're like well this is i mean you wouldn't get away with as much copy as they did back in the magazine days, but the the points of view are still right on. It's it's exactly like the kind of thing that we B2B marketers need to be thinking about more and not so much looking at a spreadsheet all day. Yeah. Yeah. It, I'm not to check that out. Art and copy. Because you can see yep. it, how just sim it's simple and it distills it down. All right. Mm -hmm. right right you got to write a story. You're the story team. Okay. Make that story come to life. You know, draw something that illustrates that story in one picture. They can put on that. Yep. A back page cover of the magazine or something like that just very um yeah it, and imagine imagine how much better your everything your display ads your anything works if you've got a little story behind it um yes it's that much richer people want to read it um i mean i think about like even like red bull as like my, my kids hate when i like go to pull up red bull tv they're like it's so boring i'm like guys this is the opposite of boring this is like the the most not boring app on Apple TV. <laughs> Dude, you're exactly right. I think that is a nail on the head is Red Bull has done a good job of, I mean, they sell caffeinated water, but what are they really like? They're an right entertainment here, machine. Oh, some? I already drank mine. Pass yeah, no, right I'm here. Right on. <laughs> guys, I am so caffeinated today. <laughs> <I'm Yes>. like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, Beavis and Butthead, you know, like 20 years later, they're caffeinated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you for joining the Beavis and Butthead marketing podcast <laughs> sponsored by red bull <laughs> um but like yeah no red bull show, sells caffeinated water but what are they they're like a entertainment brand they've got yeah. sports they've got tv and all of these things are a bigger story than what they're selling but that's kind of what people get into and so i think like b2b marketers need to think about themselves if they want to be really good at this as like entertainment companies they need to be entertaining they need to be disrupting and yeah. interrupting patterns and getting people to stop what they're doing. Yeah. Like I saw a YouTube video, Sean White, a couple many moons ago, got a perfect score on half pipe aerial craziness. He didn't even need to, he'd already won. And this was like his last run. So like, what are you going to do? Is he just going to like scoot down and be like, peace. You know, I won. No, he, <laughs> he pulls all the stops out, does crazy tricks, gets the first perfect score ever. And that, discipline you know and and you've got logos on those boards you yeah. know you've got red bull stickers behind it like there's your advertisement it and yes. you didn't need to say anything it's amazing dude that's that's he's a goat and yeah you're exactly totally. right like all of that effort is just doing nothing but sell red bull and it's 
Uh, I, I'm cynical about this too. Like as a marketer who kind of hates marketing, um, that works really well. And I, I, I love that about marketing. And it's kind of like the Super Bowl too. I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah, it's one yeah, day yeah. a year where everyone's like, yeah, I'm ready to be sold to. Like, let me, I made some Buffalo wings. Show me some ads. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Like this is all part of storytelling. I want to yeah. dive into this. Tell me Super Bowl just happened and uh, shout out to Logan on my team. I wasn't sure how to feel about Tom Brady because, you know, I'm, Patriots fan and it's like you just lost your you know but your ex is in the Super Bowl now so what are you gonna do well he asked if I wanted to bet and so I'm bet 50 bucks on Tom Brady because if he wins I made 50 bucks if he loses oh well, I didn't here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell me about it tell me about it um do you did you pick up on any ads like do you have a favorite that stands out I, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't watch very, my wife really wanted to watch the Super She wanted to watch the ads. She's one of those people that's like, and sports are okay, but I want to watch the ads. Yeah. Um, I was on Reddit most of the time, but the one I did kind of whoa, put my whoa, phone whoa. down and look at. You were on Reddit during the Super Bowl? What is going oh, yeah. on? Oh, I, you know, <laughs> I'm not much of a sports fan. And I, I should have, as a marketer, been honing my craft watching the ads. Um, but you know, I took the night off, so it's okay. I, I <laughs> Colts aren't playing. Atlanta's not yeah. playing. Like who? Who yeah. even cares, right? Patriots aren't playing. Yeah. Um, Raiders aren't playing. That's my my team. I like. Are you a Raiders? I like guy an underdog. I like an. I like Raiders because um, Raiders fans don't need to like football to be Raiders fans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Oatly one, where they like, you could tell oh, it's God. like they spent their entire marketing budget. They got their CEO to play a hor horrible piano song. I did stop what I was doing and look at that one. And I think it's just because it did, it was, it interrupted. Like, that's what you want to do. I'm yeah. engrossed on Reddit. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I put my phone down because something way off center was happening on the screen. And that's not going to work for everyone, but it worked for me. And so I appreciated that a lot. Yeah. And, and yeah, pe people talked about how it's so bad that it's good because we're talking about it. I put that as like my least favorite one. It made drove me bonkers, but I remember it. It's my, there's like your favorite and your least favorite. You remember the other ones in the middle, you're like, oh, you remember that brand that did the, I don't remember who it was, but yeah, the, the Oatly. I'm like, I'm never buying you, but I know your brand now. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I'm with you. I did not like the ad. Did not, I was right. like, I groaned. I it was like, yeah, you know, but you're exactly right. That's why it worked because I remembered it and, and it, you know, I remember the brand, like how many different non-dairy milks are out there who I don't even know the names of, but I remember Oatly now. So yeah. Yeah. So but, maybe that was well worth it then for them. Yeah. Um, what about, do you, I think I saw this thing too. Um, it was like picture us and all the different States who, who was their favorite ad based on people voting. Um, did you catch the Toyota one? I did not No. Yeah. Toyota. Tell me cool. about it. Um, you definitely want to look this up afterward. Uh, Toyota Super Bowl ad. Ah, I don't know the tie-in to, to cars, <laughs> but again, Red Bull, snowboarding. Yep. It's not about a drink. Um, it was about this gal who apparently was adopted from Russia and um, with no legs. And they're like, she was born. She had an issue. Her legs had to be amputated. Do you still want to adopt her? And um, it kind of gives me chills because as they're the adoption agency from Russia is talking to these, this, these parents, they're like, this is the situation. Do you just want to adopt her? Interspacing that with pictures of this gal swimming like professionally on the swim team with like no legs below the knee and she's swimming. And then she basically is winning a gold medal in like the Paralympics or whatever. And just by the end, just like, you're like, Shit. so I had a little tear in my eye and I was like, I was like, fuck you, Toyota. Come on. <laughs> like, 
come on, guys. Yeah. I got you got me a little worked up here on the Super Bowl. I don't know how what it means to do with cars, but they did like a great community piece. It worked. And you yeah, you retelling that ad that I've never seen to me gave me a little bit of a goosebump. And that's how powerful that story is. Yeah. What the hell? But story, that's a story, man. Exactly. Like, do you still want to do you still want her? She's not, she's defective. Do you still want her? Who can't relate to that? And they're like, Yes, we will take her. And they just show her. I don't you know. She's just yeah. in her own. She's feeling comfortable doing her thing. Swimming. I cool. love that. Um, buy, buy a Toyota Corolla, everybody. <laughs> like, right? like what? I, see, and I don't know. Does it? Does that need a tie into cars? Should it? Did maybe it, it have one? I just didn't know it. Yeah, you know what? I guess like let's think of it this way. If your brand is your your brand is not whatever your message is for the year, it's kind of like the sum of a bunch of stuff like your internal culture your yeah. the, the public's perspective of you and i think if you're that level of a marketing budget you can invest in helping to shape you know the squishy parts i mean this goes it goes back to what we're talking about fluffiness is powerful stuff man yeah. um and now all of a sudden like we're we've spent five minutes saying really nice things about toyota indirectly Oh, and yeah. that's what they're paying for. They can't. And let me say this out loud. No one at Toyota will know and be able to track back to that campaign that we have been talking about them for five minutes. Right. And that's okay. Like there's no connected campaign that. to the hardcore marketing show. There's no UTM for that. Sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. They'll just have to look at the overall again, not getting wrapped around the metrics. The story itself can be powerful. Um, exactly. Did you, did you catch any other ads or did, did your, your wife catch any, any of her favorites? I'm trying to think. No, um, got to be honest. No, and I don't know if that's because the ads were kind of a snooze. I did see this graph about like the cost of Super Bowl ads mm -hmm. over the years compared to uh, the price of a banana, and uh, price of bananas is all time low. So good, good, good news for potassium lovers. But the price of a Super Bowl ad has just skyrocketed to the point where it's like six million dollars a spot, and that goes back to the like, how amazing is it that we as a culture are like so into watching ads on that one day of a year that yeah. people are like, yeah, $6 million. Hell yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to buy that ad spot all day. And then I'm not even going to talk about my product. I'm going to talk about a, you know, amputee adopt adoptee from Russia. Yeah. Or what a flex Bonkers. from Oakley. Oatly. Oakley. Yeah. Yeah. Oakley it was be like, Oh no, we'll do this. It, it's it guys. It's bad. Yeah. It's so bad. It's good. Like, let's do yeah. this. <laughs> You've seen some bad ones in the past where you're just like, Oh God, you just wasted that money. Again, not being a storyteller, maybe just, you know, listening too much of the producers and not telling a story. Yeah. You know, one that comes to mind is uh, Paramount. Um, yeah. It's, it's okay. cool that I remember those because I was like, why the, why the do I want Paramount Plus? I have 18 other things I'm subscribed to. I might as well nice. have a ca cable package again. I do not want you Paramount Plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, name it just like Disney Plus. And what do they do? They spent and they didn't just have one spot. Okay. Oli had one spot. It was terrible. And we're all talking about it. <laughs> Paramount had like one every quarter for sure. Before it probably had at least four or five. Yeah, and just star studded money. like their all their best shows right right in a row. No man, that did nothing yeah. for my affinity. Like yeah, it turned me people, off. In fact, yeah. People listening, they had basically faces and popular people climbing mountains. Now I'm a mountain climber, and I like the idea of climbing mountains, but not not in a CGI box. And so. Yeah, they have Patrick Stewart at the top of a mountain. They're all talking about, I don't know what they're even talking about, but the idea is like, oh, all these people are going to be on, you know, and I'm sure they pay a lot for those people. 
to to show up, but it's just it just felt like ugh. And what did Disney Plus do? They had one ad at the end. It was like, hey, we're Disney Plus, and, and yeah. it's tied to ESPN and a couple of things. And you're like, cool. Yep, that just erased yep. everything I had on on Paramount. It's like, yeah, Disney Plus. Everyone's got that, or if you have kids, you do. And being a marketer is so weird. Like this is hard stuff. Like we're a because we're marketers, we're super judgy about this stuff. It's so hard. It's so it, hard. And but wouldn't you know that that would be the case? Like, can't you field test that? Or is it just we're just judgmental and we're that's we're like cats? It's probably life. both. It's probably both. <laughs> I think like we are probably are a little more, um, um, you know, harsh with our evaluations yeah. here. But I liked I liked half the people in that mountain each time. Oh, me too. Yeah. But but that didn't matter. I was like, ugh. Like big Patrick Stewart fan over here. Yeah. I'm not oh, gonna. 100%. I'm not getting yeah. anywhere near Paramount Plus. I mean, they're yeah. probably just also late to the game, or at the point like we are all over the 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 premium subscription packages to the point where it's just like, oh yeah, no, and throw it on the pilot. I'm not of stuff. I'm not gonna be paying a month once a month for. You know what? Maybe you call it like Paramount minus. You there know? you go. And you're like, you know what? All these plus things, you don't need all this. You know, it's like the land of forgotten toys. You want all the other stuff. Yeah. You can't actually find anything on Netflix. Come on here. All the shows you actually want to see are right here, right? Exactly. I like that. Yeah. It's yeah. reverse psychology. Almost. And minus. Yeah. <laughs> You're Subscribe like, to less shit. Join us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, could, you, you could have fun with it. Anyways, it, it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, yeah. Just mix it up a little bit. Um, yeah. See, were there any other ones that uh, stood out? So yeah, Paramount was um, Toyota. Yeah, there, I guess there was a bunch, but I, I, the more you sort of talk about different ones, then it's like you get focused on on those. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think I very few. There was actually one B two B company who I think does a good job of like having a like much like Oatly, where it's like, yeah, I don't know if I love this, but I remember it. There's another B two B brand I'm not going to name drop on here that had an ad, which was very cool for the space for us B two B marketers. Oh really? Um, okay. Yes. Okay, I'll go ahead and say it. It was Gong. Gong had a Super Bowl ad. And, no kidding, um, huh? Do you yeah. know Udi over there? Uh, no, I do not know him. I know of him. I he's, can connect you definitely, guys. Pretty, yeah, it would be, cool. be amazing. Um, no, big respect. Like that's, that is a powerful brand for sure. Um, and I think if we had that level of pressure on us to say, okay, we're going to spend millions of dollars on a single ad, like we would put down the spreadsheets for a few minutes to think. And yeah. we're very few of us are going to have that, that problem. And I mean, maybe to bring it back home, that's kind of the thing that, I think gets glossed over with ABM. I think people think of ABM as kind of exactly what we were talking about before, where it's super operational, it's super metrics oriented. And that's true, but it's also like the opportunity to tell that story to exactly the right people. So it's the opposite of the Super Bowl. You're telling one story to literally everyone. ABM lets you pick a very discrete number of people and mm -hmm. tell them exactly the right story. And to me, that's, that is the coolest shit that has happened to B2B. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's weird though, because I, I know the Gong guys. I didn't. I didn't see their ad. Maybe I missed it. Um, I don't think I would have forgotten it. Um, I'm actually, googling. You know, while, while you were talking, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of cool that we were talking after the Super Bowl. I haven't talked to anyone about this, and I just pulled up a list of like the Super Bowl commercials, and um, one that just sort of like immediately reminded me of. It wasn't really for me, but I appreciate the hell out of it, which is uh, Amazon. They had this uh, sexy Alexa. Did you hear about that? Oh, one? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw this one actually. I saw this and I saw the uh, Wayne's World one for Uber Eats, Amazon sexy Alexa. I did see this one. Yeah. yeah. 
I like yeah. that a lot. I was, I felt bad for the husband. Yeah. Oh, you did? <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. Like, and so for people listening, um, this gal is in the, like a design meeting and they're talking about what's the best, you know, container we can manufacture to put, you know, Alexa in. And she looks out the window and sees Michael B. Jordan. And she's like, Oh, and then basically all the rest, he's got like blue eyes and he's acting like, she's, she's like, Alexa, read, read to me. And he's like in the bathtub with her reading to her yep, that yep. sexy rom romance novel. And I was like, clever, clever. Cause yep. like I, my wife paid attention and everyone's paying attention. Like, <laughs> okay. Well, well played. And it was a story, right? It, she, she looks off in the distance and now Alexa is in quite the container, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's exactly. almost like story versus not story, you know, or story versus weaker story on here. Um, one, another one that came to mind uh, is, is this um, the Bud Light? Uh, was it Bud Light? Yeah, Bud Light. Kind of like the Paramount guys had all the Bud Light people that have ever been in Bud Light commercials coming out of trucks to help this poor guy because beer fell out of the truck. Hmm. And and it, again, it was like, what? Uh, okay. That they're just throwing like they can throw money at it, so they're just gonna yeah. hire all the talent they can, and that's yeah. gonna tell the story for them. Yeah, but all it did is I feel, I feel like it kind of um, was it di displaced, um, it uh, diluted, right? All these different people, you're like, why are they all here? And I don't know. It was kind of that was the difference, like a single story, CEO playing the thing for six million dollars, you know, the the gal swimming and her parents saying yes to her, like story versus. I'm just going to buy my way into this thing, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I think it, it kind of comes down to balls too. Like for Oatly to kind of risk it all. That is just like a ballsy move. And I respect Courageous. the hell out of that. Yeah. <laughs> or something like it's something. <laughs> I'd love to know the behind the scene on that. Of like, you know, was what, you know, you'd have to talk to like a former employee, maybe like, was your CEO like just a little crazy and was like, no, I'm going to do this. Or was this like calculated where we're like, yeah, this will be so bad. It's good. And our advertising agency said, don't worry, trust us. You know, I, I wonder, I mean, yeah. I mean, you never know. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between BC marketers and B2B marketers. We don't ever have to, we never have to bear that risk. And that's maybe why we're so in love with the numbers is because it's our shield. And yeah. So we don't have that risk and what, and that we, there's things that we can put in front instead of a story. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't have a really great Super Bowl commercial, but look, I raised, you know, our, I, I lowered our cost of acquisition 8% last quarter. I'll do it again this quarter. No one's going to get fired for that. Right. You know? Right. You might not set the world on fire, but you're at least going to keep your job. And I think that's kind of, um, I mean, that's just the reality of it. And it's not neither good nor bad. Um, it just is. But, but we should You can't lower that anymore. <laughs> exactly and i think we, we shouldn't be we shouldn't accept that as a status quo right we shouldn't you know like we should be willing to take bigger risks maybe is what we're talking about here yeah like if you lower the cpc or the cpa by ten dollars and it, or by 50 percent, you're like does that just mean we're really bad beforehand or like what? yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Did we get more efficient or are we just really messy at the beginning like um is the story harder to tell because we were talking about, you know, if you really don't like your product, you got like, a, is there, is there always a story to tell? And it's just not as sexy as a Bud Light commercial. Yes. The answer is absolutely categorically. Yes. And maybe the product isn't the story though. Maybe it's the people and in, in the company that can get you really inspired. Maybe yeah. it is what it does for 
you know, someone like that, you know, helps their life, even if it's, it's, you know, not gonna, you know, you're not curing cancer or anything, but if you're having some kind of positive effect on the world, people care. And so even if it's a super boring product in a super boring industry, that doesn't mean you can't be a marketer. You should be able, I mean, and you know what, throw, throw the gloves down. Like that's your challenge, especially if you're a boring place in a boring place, figure out how to change the perspective on it. And also when you're looking at jobs to take, is, is, yeah. is there, you know, it's like in, in your interview, is there a story I can tell here, you know, yeah. or, and ask everyone you meet, what is the story to tell here? CEO, yep. whoever you're talking to, what's the story? We don't know yet. Okay. Now, you know, your mission is to find one. Can you find one here? Exactly. And that's a marketer's job. You're like, you are the synthesizer. You take all of the available information about the product, about the marketplace, about people's perspective on your brand, about, you know, the heroes within your company. And you're the one that has to take all those different pieces, like little yeah. Legos and build something really cool that makes the world say, Hey, that's actually kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. That is the job. In it, in it, if you realize that's the job, it can be fun. Um, is it expectations of everyone? I mean, how much are we hiding and how much are just we've trained everyone around us to think that that's our job? To be clear, you're, you're right. You're right. Like, I think a lot of marketers just don't care and are happy to do their job and go home. And that's okay, too. Like, at the end of the day, it's a job. And marketing is, in a lot of ways, not, um, I don't know, the most honest profession. You know, I mean, we are kind of, as marketers, it's a slippery slope, right? It is. I mean, yeah. you know, if, depending on how you look at it, we basically get paid to lie all day. <laughs> and that's is a very it, cynical it, read it of it. Is it a lie, though? Or is it just like that's you're the highlighting? thing? Is it's like you're, you're definitely spinning things. You're making, you know, marketers always round up, you know, like uh, <laughs> we got we got 24%, whatever. Oh, we got 25%. Great. Like that's technically not true. It's not like anyone's going to go to hell for it, but it's not <laughs> truthful. Um, Devil's like, oh, try me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's, so I get it. Like people, not everyone wants to do that. Not everyone wants to set the world on fire and that's okay too. Um, but I do think that at the purest to, to, uh, distillation of marketing, like what, we're, what we are doing is to, you know, going back to art and copy, telling a story, um, copy. finding out what we're trying to communicate and then finding a good way to tell that story so that people hear it. Yeah. I mean, I guess everyone's got their discipline. Hey, if you're an operator, cool. Find yourself a storyteller. Go but nuts. we, we got to make sure we don't. But if you're at the top of that food chain, you need to you need to mine the gap of you know story and art and operations. You know exactly. You're exactly. All right. attention like, goes in one direction, and you know what? It doesn't hurt that a lot of vendors are telling you to go look at the the technical side or the operational side. You're exactly right. I think that's right. And like biggest of ups to our marketing operations friends. Like I have had the pleasure of working with some of the best like operationally minded markers ever. And I was so grateful to them because they let made my job easier to just like figure out how to tell the story really well. It, it definitely go, it requires both, but I think that we have lost the plot that the fluffier side is as important as the operational side. It definitely takes both. And when they're working together, really, really magical things happen. But I think that, so many B2B marketers I talk to do not focus on the story. They focus on the operation yeah. and their mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I'm a big SpaceX fan, you know, um, yeah. you know, Elon, like 
the, the amount of free advertising that they generate and create and in the wow factor like what is it about watching yet another falcon 9 launch when they they're doing them like twice a month now eventually once a week and something magical about it and and i feel like they more than anyone i mean boeing's been doing this for a long time but they more than anyone have really tapped into the the story and I even like the design of the spacesuits. They got Hollywood to help design them because it, there needs to be a story with what they're wearing, not just being practical. I am so happy you brought this up because I have had this mental exercise with myself so many times. Like, cause I'm also a big Tesla fan, big yeah. SpaceX fan. Um, I have wondered what does their marketing team look like? And do they even have one? Do they even need one? Because everything they're doing is so big that basically if you point a camera at it, cool shit's going to happen. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, like, what does what does the Tesla marketing team look like? Is it two dudes that are just like one's got the website, the other one's got like, you know, brochures or or what? Or do I mean, is it a bigger operation than we think? And it just kind of shows up as just this brand is bigger than everything. And that's all that it matters. I mean, because yeah. the story is inherent in what they're doing. They're going to the fucking moon. They're making the fastest cars yeah. that a consumer can buy that never needs gas. Like that is just on its face. Cool. So that marketing team's job is pretty easy in a lot of ways. It really is. You know, they were actually hiring the other day looking for, Oh, really? and you can even tell by the job description, it's like marketing communications, right? So it's a lot about harnessing that press, harnessing, we're doing cool stuff, connecting it to the people who can report on it. Um, and I was like, you know, one of those things where you're like, Hmm, let's look at the job description. Let's see what yeah. it is. Let's see what's going on here. You know? Um, but you know that you'd be in like Elon world and you would be working, you know, however oh, yeah. many hours like work hard play hard i guess you but but the the thing was you also would know that you're you're with a there's a purpose you know i think yeah. a lot of companies even maybe the leadership before it even gets to marketing aren't communicating what is the purpose why are we here elon unabashedly doesn't even give a shit that he's the most, richest man in the world now it wasn't even about that um it was literally let's go to mars right yeah. and so like i bought tesla on principle i wasn't like oh tesla i couldn't buy spacex so i bought some tesla and yeah, just hold on to it. Like, whatever, man. Just get us to Mars. I love the vision. Yeah, same. Exact same. Totally. Totally. I bought Tesla just because I believe in it. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? This is the right place to put my money. Um, If it tanks, yeah. then oh well. Because this is, in principle, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, man. The story is there. What What is it about it? Like, if we were to think practical for a second, a practical tactical about good story. Or, like, what do you think about when you're thinking about telling a story for Terminus or just what's what are some good steps um i think I, I i a couple of them are top of mind one is i always try to focus on pattern interruption so we everyone's kind of got the same flow they go through their inbox they've got meetings they scroll through some social media whatever um it takes kind of a lot and a pretty swift kick in the pants to get someone to stop what they're doing and pay attention so i always think about pattern interruption and how does that show up how does it tie back to not the product, not the brand, but the story, right? So mm. like, okay, so we have a completely out of left field idea. What's the what's the connective tissue that brings that back to the promise? And maybe that's what we're talking about here. Is like, what is the promise, and how do we how do we create that? And then um, I I think this is the other thing is like I always tell the team, um, joy and enthusiasm is better than perfection. Like as long as you're having fun doing what you're doing and you're really enthusiastic about the work you're putting forward. That's so much more important than it being pixel perfect because people might not be able to 
point to something if it's an ad or a landing page or whatever and say that's a result of people having fun and doing cool stuff but it shows up in the feeling um and so that's kind of where i'm like you know like perfection does not matter to people um having like being part of something that's cool and exciting is important to people yeah 100 percent, man um pattern interruption we're all thinking oatly right that's yep your your truth telling already uh that joint enthusiasm is better than perfection um and people are just gonna have to deal with the fact that i'm gonna talk about spacex for the rest of my life um and i'm excited uh they just did a test launch i don't know from are you following like the starship program they have no so they've got the falcon 9 doing their thing totally repeatable rocking it and and they launched you know the crew program they launched uh four people and then no press literally four days later they launched a supply rocket too like they're just launching those things like crazy but while they're doing that they're developing starship which is insane it's like a hundred times the size of falcon and it's designed to sit on something just as big and it's the thing that gets us to the moon it gets the thing that gets us to mars it, there was no need to do a, a falcon heavy in between anymore it's like falcon nine's doing the thing starship though <laughs> that's cool as hell it is it, and so they're they're testing it they're making it out of stainless steel and they're, they're doing out in, in an island in, in texas and so they're on starship um eight um a couple months ago and the whole idea is it goes it goes up and when it comes down it's so big that when it comes down it flies down like a skydiver with these wings and mm-hmm. then when it's time to land it does this belly flip maneuver to to right itself and then land on rockets again oh cool um, and they tested it a couple months ago in sn8 they're calling a starship number eight um it almost got down there was an issue with pressurization in the tanks and then you saw green flames which meant not enough fuel and then <laughs> it like blows up in a but and people were cheering like oh like we we're testing something and they because it's stainless steel SN9 just had a test launch to try to fix that problem. They fixed the problem, but some other problem happened and it crashed in this gigantic fall, ball of fire. But everyone was like, yes, and they're cheering it. The enthusiasm, the joy, yes. exactly what you're talking about. It was there. Yes. It, nobody cared that the thing blew up in a ball of flames because they it's progress. It's it's working. We're getting there. And, dude, and they're Eventually, taking like Falcon big ass chances. That's so yeah. cool. And you know what? You're right. Like if you're taking a big ass swing, and it fails. Hey, as long as you guys were all like rooting for it, it's not a failure. Like you learn right. something important. You can do it bigger and better next time. Like just like, and building that momentum is so important. And yeah, that's kind of where I think, I mean, gosh, there's so many interconnected things here, but that's like having a great team helps that so much. Like if you can all pull in the same direction and, and support each other, taking those big leaps and being there when the starship blows up and crashes, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm sure someone was like, shit. <laughs> Not that it's yes. all, all, yeah, all the fans were like, woo. But somehow the mindset of the fans wasn't like, oh man, our, 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 the team we're cheering for like crashed. Like, because even Elon's like, cool, we learned from this. And guess what? SN10 is probably going to fire in like two weeks again. So they're going to do it, do another one. And, but eventually they're going to stick that landing and then they're going to be like, oh, okay. Now, now uh, what's next to go to Mars? Like, what, what's next? we got the rockets to go so yeah it's amazing that's and see they got a vision and like everyone's pulling in the same direction and every failure is a step towards that vision and that's cool as hell like i am here for it got a question for you about that um kind of challenges both on this because like i've always you know even said like hey 
we're not in the Peace Corps where the mission's like, cool, sweet. We're like saving lives and we're helping the world. SpaceX got a great mission going to Mars. If you want in, you work there. If you're a fan, you know, it, what about what about a B2B SaaS company that sells something to marketers or IT or accounting, you know? You don't, you're not taking us to Mars. How do you, how do you create it? Can the story ever be as compelling? Probably not, but I think what, for me, yeah, sorry, no. Um, the, sorry, no. <laughs> but for me, Thought. it's it's like, I don't know if this works for everyone. So I don't know if this is a rule of thumb, but for me, it's like the people. Like I get to work with really great people who I don't want to let down, but who also I want to have a lot of fun and create stuff with. Yeah. And so even, I mean, even when I was doing boring, you know, B2B IT enterprise stuff, the people that I was doing it with made it fun. And yeah, that shows up. Like that, that is not a, you know, null value at all. Like if you have fun with what you're doing and the people you're doing it with, it shows up. And that's where I think culture is such an empower, an important part of marketing. Because if you are able to kind of build that culture of taking big chances, of having a lot of fun, of being a little kooky and having each other's back, you're, you're, you're you know, kind of like able to fly off the rails and do really interesting things. And you know what, if your competitor does not embrace people and enthusiasm and tries to do something that's a little different, then you're going to just fly right past them because you do have that, like that X factor, that magic ingredient. Yeah. And again, back to that, that first order marketing principle, like the joy and enthusiasm is going to, it's not a perfect story, but man, we're excited about it. So yes. cool. Cool. Yeah. doesn't have exactly. to be Mars, but you're digging it. You're liking it. You're having fun. You enjoying working with the people you're working with. You're on a good journey. Sweet. That's all that matters. Like if you're listening, you can't see me, but I've got a bunch of music shit all around me, yeah, keyboards like and guitar a... pedals and stuff. Yeah. Um, I write and record so much music that no one ever hears. And that's not the point. I'm not trying to like be a rock star. I love what I'm doing. And I'm really, really stoked about it. And that's so much fun for me. It's the exact same thing. Even if no one sees your amazing ad, if you're really proud of it, if it's coming from the heart and it's exactly what you want to see out in the world, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that you're a rock star. No. It's uh, a, opposite of. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Because I don't like, I mean, it's definitely a cobbler's kids have no shoes situation where it's, uh, if you want to, I don't know if I want to plug myself. It's, if you go to Spotify, <laughs> Bear Like Mouse, um, which is a name I gave myself in college, which you know, like all regrettable band names uh, has stuck. Um, Wait, so, so like, like that is like, like like your band name or that's like yeah. your. It's like my my nom de plume because I'm kind of the only person in the band. Like I do yeah, all yeah. of it, but it's kind of like, I mean, it's definitely artsy, indie rock slash electronic kind of stuff. Um, you said bear like, like mouse? Bear like mouse, yeah. Cool, so it's like, we... it's one of those things where I'm not like, it's 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 a passion project. I, I'm, I'm super enthused about it, but I'm also like, if no one ever hears it, it's fine because that wasn't the point. I'm not trying to be a rock star. I'm just trying to create the things I want to hear out in the world. And I think yeah. the exact same play thing applies to work. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on Spotify too? Um, yes. Hell yeah. Let's blow that channel up. I'll have to link to you. <laughs> blow that thing up. Um, but I hear you though. Like I want, I want to promote the hell out of it and I want to listen to it after this. And um, that's because uh, that's you living yourself. Like that's you living your, your, your true self or whatever they call it, you know, just yeah. that's being an artist. Um, and I, I can relate to that so much. Like with this podcast, 
I, I don't need it to be Joe Rogan. I don't need it to be the number one, number one, the top podcast in the U S under the marketing category are like borderline. Some of those are like the sleazy, like funnel clickbaity on. Oh God. Yeah. So I just need to be that. It just, you know, if I, it lets me chat with friends and in front of people, that sounds cool to me. That's, that's good enough. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think that I'm so happy. Like, I don't know if we're coming to the end here, but I'm so I like, no, no, we got, we got time, but you got a okay, hard stop good. or are you good? Oh, no, 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 no. But, right. but I'm like, that's, I'm glad you got to that point because if you are working, if you are a marketer and you sell to accountants, that's your chance to like challenge yourself to do something cool with it and it, it, get really proud about what you're putting out in the marketplace. And that's a hard that's tall order to be sure. But it's like, to me, that gets you back to where we started, where it's like, that's what true marketing is, is like putting really interesting things out there and taking a chance. And I think marketers need to be ballsy like that, just like the Oatly guy. Even if everyone hates it, it worked, you yeah, know? It did. <laughs> it did. They should have they ended it with like, you know, it doesn't taste nearly as bad as this commercial looks or something because it's like, <laughs> no, it's actually really tasty. Uh, but this commercial is horrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of creating it and, and being creators. I think in a way, if you look on the flip side, the positive side, while the B2B side could be a little harder because the segmentation, it's not consumer based. It's also, it's not a, oh, I, I heard the ad. Let me try, let me pick up one of these boxes in the supermarket or something. Um, Cause it only cost me $6. If, if it's terrible, I'll just throw it away, you know? Um, whereas B2B sale, we're, we're trying to move mountains here. Like it may cost somebody 60 grand, it may cost their company 60 grand and they've got to put their, their, their neck out there to make that purchase. And so I always like the, the fact that the considered sales just feels harder, even though it's still yeah. emotional, it feels harder. But to your point, as an artist, a marketing artist, you can, there's more opportunity. There's a challenge, but with that challenge is like, you know, greater, greater the victory at the end if you, if you got into the soul of the accountants that you serve and they're all people too they've got they cry they laugh you know maybe they speak different languages than you might as in marketing but um but yeah if you can get into their soul and like create a story that matters to them like that's epic i so agree i i hear and you, you we hear this all the time as marketers like you hear companies going up market and is this is this enterprise friendly? Is this marketing going to resonate with an enterprise versus as if it's a completely different breed of humans that work at yeah. enterprises than work at a startup or whatever. Right. And that has always been so confusing to me. And I've yet to have anyone give me a clear answer on what that means. Like this doesn't feel enterprise enough. Like what the hell does enterprise mean? Does that mean it's extremely boring? In which case I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. But I can't imagine that someone in an enterprise would be turned off by something like that either. Like they are humans as well, I'm pretty sure. And I feel like they, to your point, have emotions as well. And like they want to wear cool jeans too. And are every bit as human as someone that's kind of on the other end of the spectrum. Why, why, why would that change? Why would that matter so much? Yeah. And if you're listening to this, like hit me up. Like uh, Twitter is at Justin Keller. Please tell me why this is a thing because I don't understand it. Yeah, imagine you know, at your marketing, let's say your career, you've moved from a small company. Now you're working for an enterprise and suddenly all the messages you start receiving get really dry, yeah. right? Because they think that that's what enterprise wants to hear. And you're like, Ugh, this is horrible. It, I know it makes no sense. It, it, 
do not get it. Like, I almost feel like that is even a bigger reason to go and be kind of a little bit bold and a little risky. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because always... like they've got bosses and bosses, bosses and bosses, bosses, bosses that need to all check off on something. So it's like, if you can fly under the radar enough, then no one gives a shit. But also if that's, if your marketing strategy is making people not give a shit, I don't think it's a marketing strategy. But are enterprise people more serious? They can't be. Can they? I don't know. I don't either. Or is there like one dude, like it's like serious or girl, one gal. It's like I that that cranky. person's at every company though. Like there's always that <laughs> one true. person that's always just a pain in the ass and doesn't like it and thinks it's like, you know, not worth the time and it's not gonna re reflect well. It's gonna that's that's the other thing. If you're not if your marketing's not pissing like let's call it ten percent of your audience off, then no one's gonna care about it. I think that's yeah. a saying somewhere. Like if you're yeah. not you're not making some people upset it's not marketing. actually it might be an ogilvy thing um if you're if you're not upsetting people it's not working i gotta read that man i i, I mean you keep hearing about it and you keep mentioning it it's like i gotta school myself on that because it's clearly a good read brilliance there yeah yeah and you can flip through it and still like pick stuff up it's a good it's a good book ogilvy on advertising everybody I wonder when that goes out on a copyright i'll just read it on the podcast you know <laughs> story time with casey i i tune into that Right. It's like audible, but different. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that is the question, you know, that you want to, you want to look like your stuff can be handled by the bigger company, the bigger concerns, the larger volume. But I love that point you made They they want to wear cool jeans too, you know? Yeah. And I guess you see that because there used to be the suit required at certain point in time or the business attire. And now it's, you know, most people are in, business casual or just t-shirts and we're all at home now exactly so it doesn't really matter and I, I guess the more people you meet at the higher and higher levels you realize yeah they're people too exactly yeah yeah so genuine question to, to your audience thank you for letting me ask them a question like tell me why tell us why because i do not get it well what, no what specifically the up market what, what's yeah what's what's what, why do people talk about enterprise marketing like it's a completely different thing or like it's a completely different audience. Like it's a completely like this message would work for our SMBs, but this was yeah. never going to resonate with the enterprise. I, I just, you know, I'm yeah, sure there's like a bunch of different reasons and different segments. More buyers involved, yeah. bigger budgets. I don't know. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like different, but to your point, it's not, is it, is it really that different or they're just, you know, some tweaks here and there. I don't know. Yeah. It's like it, 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 people feel like they've got to be safe when they're talking to the enterprise. I'm like, I don't get it. Why? What's the difference? Or be serious. Yeah. yeah. Serious conversation. Exactly. <laughs> Which is not, also not usually a fun conversation to have. Gotcha. Oh. <laughs> so serious. Why so serious? <laughs> Who is that? The Joker? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's a, yeah, that's your I feel like we need a meme of you like you and Joker makeup asking enterprise marketing yeah. why so serious. What's what what stick is up your ass that like we can't we can't have fun trying to sell you stuff guys <laughs> yeah 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 and in in people's experience sales too listen to this like have you seen people not purchase because of that and also there's that brand of like no one gets fired hiring ibm what is that ibm that's exactly is, what it is yeah it's just like it's boring safe. as hell sorry ibm but you know like it, it is the the epitome of the corporate so what yeah. is that I, I have to believe that's some boomer stuff and that like in the year 2021, that can't matter anymore. Like I get it if that's maybe like an eighties thing. Sure. But it's, it's, we're, I mean, gosh, it's 2021 guys. It's the future. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think I hear startups saying that either. You know, no. 
Yeah, when exactly. it out, push to GitHub or something maybe, but not hire IBM. It's, IBM, exactly. It'd be interesting to see if at some point we like call it that they redo their brand or something, or they either either coast on what they've got or they redo it as like the futuristic IBM, you know? IBM, hit me up. Like the whole ad campaign is I got fired hiring, hiring a, IBM. <laughs> and it's like, because they were so boring and buttoned up and stodgy that it just didn't work in today's macro environment. And so IBM like finally got someone fired and here's what they did to fix it so that they were kind of edgy and cool again. Yeah. There's a story. There is a story. Yeah. I just totally flipped the script on them a little bit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Sweet, man. Well, Hey, I wanted to about something off you. Cause this is cool. Speaking of like story and, and performance and, and art, uh, clubhouse have you been following that i've been trend? on the i've been on the outside looking in like i got an invite to it and i'm like i just don't i don't have enough time for the social networks i'm already on i didn't know if i i need another one tell me tell, how about this i'm gonna go ahead and open the kimono what is i, I know it's audio based and i know yeah. it's called clubhouse and that's kind of it what is what is what is going yeah. on with clubhouse casey yeah you know i um i got one of the guests on the on the show janae brown she is the Beyonce of marketing and that's what she calls herself. And it was true. It was confirmed. Hashtag confirmed when I interviewed her on the show. Um, What's her name? Janae? Janae. Yeah. I can introduce you guys too off the show. I would love to. That's yeah. uh, I mean, that's a hot take and I love, I love it. The Beyonce of marketing. Yeah. She got me invited. She got me on um, early, early on that, that adoption curve, which was cool. <laughs> and, um, and my first take was like, Oh, it's like the party lines from the seventies. Not that I was necessarily around, but that I just heard of. Um, but what's interesting is, go ahead. You just talk to people? Like it's yeah. like topics and you talk about it? Yeah. Is it anonymous or do people know I'm Justin? They know you're Justin. Okay. So you, you could, it's your phone number. And I think they really want you to have like a real, your legal first name, last name. So it's not okay. anonymous weirdos. Um, and there's no video. So there's no people flashing anyone. Um, but- Good. So they, they solved that problem. But yeah, so you you can either have chat with friends or you can browse through and, and see the different rooms that are active. And the, the rooms that are active are based on the people that you follow. So you start following more and more people talking about things you like. You see more and more rooms, options that, that pop up. And you kind of curate that by following people that are really cool and, and you get more selection. Um, and yeah, so you join a room and there's people on stage and there's people in the audience and on stage is kind of like your panel discussion, but panel discussion sounds so unsexy from all the conferences I've ever been to panel discussion. Right. You've got a bunch of people on stage, like a stand-up show. And then you got people in the audience. And if you're in the audience, you could raise your hand. And one of the people on stage is tagged as a moderator with special powers can bring people up. And a lot of rooms just bring up everyone so that everyone can talk the smaller rooms. Some of the bigger rooms I was listening to, um, and Dreesen and Horowitz, like the two of them run a clubhouse the other night and talking to each other and interviewing each other, just chatting about things and answering questions for people that were asking them in the audience. And it was just cool. It was just two of them. Just the room was full, 5,000 people. Elon Musk joined a room Sunday night, like 1 p.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. Eastern. I stayed up to try, I couldn't get in. I literally clicked it three minutes early and I, it was already booked. It was already wow already blocked off. Uh, I know Zuckerberg's been on there and people are talking like, that's weird. He joined somebody else's social platform. So he yeah. Try to 
gobble it up. He could. They could just gobble it up and kill it or something, which they probably, probably should. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So what I couple things that takeaways though is that it's super diverse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's super diverse. There's every ethnicity, culture, background, and it's like the mixing pot, and it's cool. It's really cool. It's like a very practical example of just people of all walks in life and everyone's funny as hell and genuine and also very accepting, right? Because all the people on stage letting other people on the stage talk and almost no one's in the nanny and people kind of have the general rules. Um, some rooms allow you to pitch. Um, some, some are just a chat. Um, and it's just, it's got such a mixture of people. I've just, at first I was like, oh, okay, no big deal. But then somebody asked me about it again. So I checked it out again. And this is what got me. I joined a comedy room and I, I was lurking for a while. I joined a, a comedy room and um, I definitely did not join the stage on this one. But the, the topic was, the name of the room was uh, free therapy from people who have had at least one therapy session. Right. <laughs> so you can imagine uh, and they were like comedians sitting on their hands that can't be doing standup right now because of COVID on stage as the counselors and they were a lot of comedians asking questions so like raising their hand they bring them on stage to ask their question go ahead what's your question the question sometimes they were snarky questions sometimes they were like um you know i'm i'm being stalked by someone and they're like you know it's very selfish of you not to give your time to this stranger that just only wants your acceptance and they're just the (laughs) worst advice ever but it was in like a funny and it was like i was listening to like a live stand-up show and they were just so and it was not pc it was not anything and i was just like this is great um and so i found it's been a way during COVID, especially to connect with people you don't get the on-person events i literally had a conversation with someone the other night um she works at salesforce in amsterdam and then somebody else joined from like tokyo we're all just hanging out having a conversation wow. and 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 then they also there's a dating room i'll stop for a second there's a there's a dating room where this this guy this host is like okay it's called shoot your shot so um you get 30 seconds they bring you on stage and they go hey you know so and so um look in the attendee look at all the attendees and everyone in this room anyone catch your eye person's like male and female they go back and forth they go yeah this person this person this person they go okay that's cool let's invite them to the stage they invite them all to the stage and they're like all right you got 30 seconds impress them <laughs> and then they ask the ladies or men like what'd you think what'd you think and they're like well we could take this to the dms you know we could we could carry the conversation wow. listening to this going like this is this is cool i'm okay so in the time you've been talking i've accepted my invitation to clubhouse and downloaded the app so nice. I yeah, we got to connect on there. How do you? Cool. Okay, let's let's. Maybe we don't bore the audience with us Follow figuring me. out no, how to no, find no, each other cool. on. And in those listening too, if you need an invite, just hit either of us up. You usually have a couple, and then the only thing is you have to have an iPhone, which is oh. holding a lot of people back, right? Like a bunch of my friends are like, "Yeah, hook me up," and I I made the mistake of sending them an invite, only to find out they didn't have an iPhone, so I like waste that invite because it literally is still invite only, which is really kind of a, there's a fun urgency and um not urgency there's uh what is it scarcity to that you know where it's like you got to know someone who has an invite to get you in and but so far it's just been oh in the the spacex thing speaking of that i i watched the the launch that sn9 launch i was i was on clubhouse driving home before it where they're counting down okay we got 30 minutes we're talking all about elon and spacex um 
asking each other questions, getting each other's thoughts on it. When it came down time to launch, we're all like, okay, what feed are you guys on? We're all watching Tim Dodd's feed. And we're like, okay, let's watch the feed. And we're all in that room watching this thing together, watching it launch together. And then it was like, the room was quiet as the rocket was launching. It's just like a cool sense of community that you don't quite get on some of these other platforms, you know? I love that so much. Okay. You have absolutely sold me on this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Right down the strike zone. That's <laughs> sweet, man. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it's interesting. It really is cool. Um, you know, it's not perfect. So there's, there's some pitching that goes on in some rooms. So the other day I made a room called the no pitch paradise, you know, cause I'm like, Hey, we're just here to hang out whoever yeah. you are. I don't, don't sell me anything, but let's hang out and let's meet, meet you and chit chat. And, and yeah. And then there's people that you don't know, but you start connecting with and you build these little communities of people. It's so yeah. cool. And you're so right. Like it does. It sounds like, I mean, I wasn't around for it, but like the chat rooms or chat lines from the seventies or like even like early two thousands, like there was like Omegle and um, chat roulette. Like that was obviously prone to go horribly wrong for a lot of yeah. reasons, but it's kind of yeah. like, I mean, nothing, everything old, everything old is new again in a lot of ways. Like, it's just kind of like, what's the newest version of it, which yeah. maybe is kind of the meta theme for this whole thing. Cause we're talking, I mean, we talked a lot about advertising from the fifties and sixties and how, that shit's so much more important again, all of a sudden. Yeah. So much more important. And, you know, speaking of the richest guy in the world, his icon on clubhouse was like a pair of shorts, some like SpaceX. Oh, like I know you're talking about. Yeah, it's like, it's like exactly. I've seen, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. You like know? Tidy and like completely. Yeah. Cool. We got a mission. There's nothing to do what with crazy dude. Exactly. I know. Like he's yeah. not taking himself seriously. Yeah. Which another Write that down, people. Do not take yourself seriously at any point when you're marketing. Like, why? Why do we do that? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, maybe, uh, probably a bunch of reasons. I think maybe um, because what we're talking about with like you know serious buyers only want serious navy blue, you know, not sans serif fonts, or they won't buy. Or maybe we're kind of afraid that you know like being a marketer you're kind of putting it out there like you're taking big chances and that chance is like what you're putting out there is ultimately a reflection of yourself and that's mm -hmm. a vulnerable place to put yourself and so i could see yeah. that being a, another reason um or you don't care you know that's kind of you know you don't even want to you, you don't it's not even that it's a risk it's that you just don't even give a shit and that's unfortunate too but that's probably another reason why people don't take themselves like to do take themselves seriously it's because it's like you know what this is my job i'm gonna clock in clock out and that's it. And that's okay. Or safe, you know? Yeah. Like you said, you don't, you don't get fired having a boring campaign that has a decent CPC on it or something yeah. like that. Um, but man, life's too short. Like swing for the fences, try some crazy stuff out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And there's already enough like of that noise out there. Like if you're doing that kind of marketing, you're just creating noise and maybe, maybe it helps, maybe it helps your sales team a little bit, but it's not really helping you're not helping society at that point. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't feel good when you're in that too. I remember making noise when I was a younger marketer and didn't know any better. And, and all the execs just wanted noise, more noise. Yeah. How much noise do you make? Can you make no, more noise? Not even good noise. Just make more emails. Right. And it's like, Oh, am I, am I helping the company, the world, anything? Am I just yeah. sending emails out, moving bytes around? Yeah, you're right. It does not feel good. And that's the other thing is like, if you're, a timid marketer you're you're really just kind of trying to grind out a performance marketing program that's cool but like let me tell you and i think casey will back this up that when you do start to think on the other side of the coin when you're not all quant and you get a little more art and copy 
it feels great. It makes work fun. That's huge. It feels great. You feel like you're, you're actually do, being a marketer. You know, I had a funny thought. Now I understand why they were drinking in, in Mad Men, right? It's because that shit's hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, and you can't take yourself too seriously. You take yourself too seriously. Cool. Let me go get, let me go pour myself a scotch over here and then <laughs> and, and loosen up a second or go for a run. Or, or I mentioned, I just got a Peloton bike, right? So it's like, or go crank out a workout and loosen up. How's that Peloton going? I'm I, at the stage of um, COVID where I'm trying to figure out how to reinvent this room I'm in to include a little bit of exercise. I guess it's the winter. How's that going? Would you recommend it? Totally. No brainer. I had it for like three days. It's like, yep, this is what I thought it would be. I don't know why I waited. Like I, I had done spin classes and other hit classes in the past. And I was talking to a coach of mine trying to work through like, man, I haven't been working out. It's winter time. I just want to hide inside and eat bad food. And, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not really going to do anything unless I have someone staring at me, you know, <laughs> you know, or something that, you know, I can like work with nearby where we're all just going through it together or something. So I love those sort of the, the social aspect of workout classes and all. So we got the thing the other day, plugged in my old cycling shoes into it. It's like, boop, boop. And, and what's cool is it's more than just cycling, right? It's like, it's like, bunch of stuff so they got yoga they got stretching classes i'm like thank you i finally needed that i am i'm as flexible as not right it's like yeah. zero no value <laughs> and can people see you or do you just see the people you you just see their names okay and, wh and whatever they want to share like the rough age range where they're from and if there's like a particular club you, the hashtag so you can follow a bunch of hashtags which like you relate to personally peloton dads or i did like climbing mountains and usmc and a couple other things and then they, they can high five you and they can high five you back even the recorded classes it tells you who's doing this recorded class right now and how how far are they through it so you can be like high five so they don't they don't see you physically you don't see them physically at least in the recorded classes i haven't done a live one yet um but yeah i'm like okay cool totally get it this is what i needed um is there a clubhouse peloton crossover where you guys can be on your peloton but also in a clubhouse channel? right i'm sure there is it's gotta be gotta be it's gotta be oh actually that peloton does that i believe you can actually you get awards for it too you basically you have friends and you can like say let's let's work let's pedal together let's do a ride together and it just automatically creates that and, and i think in that one you can see each other on video too so you can kind of like work out together that's cool brilliant that's really cool you totally get one totally get i one. totally should I yeah. was thinking about getting like a standing desk and a treadmill. Um, yeah, but... they've got the treadmill style now. Oh, they do, don't they? Damn it. Yeah, you're right. I I need to do something. Dude, they got hit classes. <laughs> they got so they got hit, they got strength, they've got everything. Dude, you know, this morning I didn't have a chance to do like a full thing. So I just did like a five minute standing yoga before I just got to my journal and started working. It's perfect. I just need to just get a little loose, you know? That's so important. That's great. I, uh, and I am a thousand percent. So I worked for a while at a B2B mindfulness company. Like it was like wow. one of the guys from Headspace decided to take the Headspace model and do it, um, for B2B, which, you know, obviously seemed like a brilliant business model. Seems and so there was like a, a two year stretch there where I was meditating 30 minutes every day, doing yoga at work every other day. And I have stopped doing that altogether just because, I mean, COVID just kind of smacked me in the back of the head and kind of, I mean, everyone, right. Um, Oh, was and it on site? Like, Were you on site doing that? Yeah, like so it was like it, yeah, we had like a meditation uh, room in our office. Cool. I mean, and this is in San Francisco, like downtown San Francisco. So this is not that odd for, That's cool. for no, it's not <laughs> the Bay Area. Um 
but it was like I have missed that so much and it's just like one of those things that just blipped out of my life all of a sudden because you know the world got turned upside down and I feel like I rather than going back to basics with COVID tried to uh, like not adapt but like reinvent everything so that it fit this new paradigm and I don't know that that was the healthiest decision and I think that between Peloton the clubhouse between getting a little more mindful these are all good tips for all of us yeah yeah if you could feel the difference too I remember when like last winter I was like doing two spin glasses and Spenga. Have you, have you heard of Spenga? No. It was this cool thing all last year. It, it's 20 minutes of spin, 20 minutes of hit, high intensity interval training, and then 20 minutes of yoga. Oh. And so I was doing like two of those classes a day, just crushing it through the winter time. And then I, when I when I stopped and COVID happened, so I was like, oh, why am I so stiff and sore? I was like, oh, that's right. I've been doing 40 minutes of yoga every day. Not anymore. Exactly. So that's why, yes. you know, you can kind of feel like, oh, I don't feel as tip top anymore. Yeah. Totally I am. I'm getting it. I'm doing it. But it's going to happen. I'm, I mean, Casey, you've, you've changed my life significantly Yeah. <laughs> between Sweet, clubhouse, man. between getting the Peloton. Um, I'm feeling good. And, you know, I need to start paying more attention to SpaceX. I pay attention to Tesla a lot. Um, but the SpaceX, like, I mean, as a kid who went to space camp, should be obsessed with everything that's going on. You there went right to now. space camp? I did. It was cool as hell. Tell me about it. Like, what did you do? I was, I think, 13 years old. This was the first, I'd never gone to camp before. So this was like, you know, like, had never slept away. Like sleepover like camp. Like yeah, sleepover, sleepover camp in wow. Huntsville, Alabama. Um, and so uh, it was, I was one year below where you needed to be to do like all the cool underwater, like outer, outer space simulation stuff, but it was still really cool like we built rockets i learned all about the entire history of the space program you get um astronaut ice cream for dessert every day yes Um, that's awesome it was it was uh, if you're listening to this and you have kids i i don't know i don't know what it's like in these days but like space camp was a very formative experience for me as a young uh, as a young person man that's dude you totally yeah that there's a whole community man and and then even on clubhouse there's a bunch of like the, some of the best chats, dude. There's ex ex uh, NASA guys, ex SpaceX guys, um, on the clubhouse chat. So when the stuff's happening, they're like, "Oh yeah," uh, and this guy, CEOs of like aer- aeronautical companies on there, and we're just all like geeking out, and they're just telling you stuff about like what's actually happening or changing. And then I just give you a link to um, Everyday Astronaut, Astronaut Tim Dodd on YouTube. That's the feed to watch when. SN, SN10 lifts off um, probably in a couple of weeks for the test. But, you know, that's, he's the guy. When the thing exploded, he's like, yes. That's so <laughs> cool. Crazy. He was there live when it was happening. Oh, my God. I love that. And I love, like, that's my favorite image from this conversation is just people like cheering when a rocket explodes an, un, an unmanned rocket to be clear total, like, total, explodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that is progress. And that's something you should be totally stoked about. Yeah. Yeah. They're just cheering progress, man. Like it's almost like cheering humanity's progress. Like somebody it really is still here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. That's, that's just some good inspiration for sure. Totally. Totally. Sick, man. Well, Hey, anything, anything new, any, any shout outs, anything going on at terminus we should know about put the word yeah. up the, the good word. Let's do, let's do, let's sell the hell out of some terminus real quick. Um, yeah, we are, yeah. 
growing like a weed like last year was a banner year for terminus and um i think like abm in general which i'm like we actually i mean this this podcast has been rescheduled so many times the original uh, impetus was to talk about the state of abm report and we saw like a wild right. swing towards people being like oh we can't do events my marketing budget's shot like what do we do and that spurred everyone to start thinking a little more efficiently and targeted with their marketing so abm is kind of like hit the mainstream. So that's really good for Terminus. Um, we've got some, I can't talk about them right now, but probably by the time that this airs, I don't know, how long will it take to come to life, Casey? It depends. Sometimes it's fast these days. Oh, well, delay? It, Do you need a little, no, but there will be. A, can you tell some secrets? Can you tell some secrets? I, can't, I, I wish I could. There will be a very big announcement coming soon that's um, I'm really, really stoked about um, that kind of just furthers the, the fact that ABM is a big thing now. Um, By the way, if this and, was like Joe Rogan, I'd be giving you a cigar and some whiskey, and, and you'd be you, like, "You just exactly." You know, I think it's probably fine if I tell you, uh, you know, exactly. <laughs> just like Elon, like with the huge yeah, spliff, yeah, like okay, I'll tell something. you what's going on. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And we put it's like I mean the company's growing. Like we acquired three companies in the span of a year. So a Sixter, which is where I came from, yep. we got um, Ramble, which is a uh, conversational marketing platform that's completely baked into the platform right now. And then psychographics, um, which is the thing I'm most excited about. We, we acquired a company called Growflare. So if you're on Instagram and you get an ad for something, and you're like, I don't even think I said that out loud, but this is exactly what I was thinking about 20 minutes ago. It's because they've got a really good psycho, psychographic profile on you. And um, they, we acquired a company they got called my Grow. number, man. I buy, I buy shit left and right off of Instagram. We've, we, got, we got that for B2B now. We acquired a company yeah. called Growflare that just does psychographic profiling, but for companies, not for individuals. And so we're starting to give uh, marketers the ability to kind of like understand what businesses need before they're even saying it out loud, um, which is really cool as well. And so it like- makes total sense. Yeah. You know they need it before they even know they need it. Exactly. And that's kind of like what's so cool about marketing is like when you know that kind of stuff, when you've got a really great data foundation- you can tell exactly the story that they want to hear before they know they want to hear it. And in a way that edges out the competition, like you frame their perspective before they even start trying to do their research or whatever. Um, and so there's so much cool stuff that like, I think this is one of the coolest times to be a marketer in history, for, at least for B2B, because we're starting to get all this cool B2C-esque technology and we're able to yeah. tell stories in a much better way. And that's just got me really jazzed. So I'm pretty pumped about the category in general. I'm just thinking about like Papa John's, like better stories, better technology, <laughs> better people. Exactly. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Um, yeah. That's cool. Man, that glow flare. I, I, I got to check. Is it grow flare or glow flare? Grow flare. Yeah. Grow flare. That, that's like a no brainer. Like, why didn't even, it's like, duh. You hear that story? You're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, totally. Makes sense. Totally. Yeah. You bought this. So that's you this. Exactly. So that'll be uh, completely integrated to the platform, uh, like probably a month or two from the time this is aired. Um, and that's part of kind of this whole bigger announcement that we're making. So lots of cool stuff is happening. Keep an eye on us because um, it's it's a cool time to be a terminus for sure. Cool. Cool. What should people subscribe to anything? What do you want people to what do you want people to go to? I do. So um, if you go to the website, we've got, uh, it's not there now, but by the time Sarah's it will be, we'll, we'll have a lot of um, great, like we're, we're starting uh, a Terminus TV station. So we'll have TTV soon. Um, we're investing a lot in content this year. So we started a really cool, my teammate Jillian started a really great um, kind of a vlog called The Roof, which we shot all on the roof of our building because okay, it was the only place cool. we could go and not be, you know, breathing each other's air. And it's, it's so it was very uh, quarantine friendly. Um, and that went like gangbusters. Like I'm, I, I was a, I was very enthusiastic at the outset, but like seeing how 
great it's performed has got me really pumped. So we're working on season two now. Uh, we're working on trying to bring um, a B2B puppet show to life or a Muppets show. Um, we set a dumpster on fire. Like we're just doing all kinds of crazy stuff over here at Terminus. And it's it's pretty cool. I'm, we're lucky to have the support of our CMO and our CEO to do wild and crazy shit. An actual goddamn dumpster fire that is yeah. fantastic <laughs> we lit we we uh yeah we went ahead like we literally just threw a bunch of wood and gas into a, a dumpster fire like we filmed an ad in there first and then we got our people out of it set the dumpster on fire and uh it was a, Did you it was use a the dumpster fire as like it was like yeah, the competition the whole, or something the whole campaign no so the whole campaign was like last year this was at the end of 2020 so it was like last year it was a dumpster fire cut to raging fire in the dumpster and then kind of record scratch my teammate Jillian in the dumpster kind of saying how a lot of our customers were on fire in a good way and mm. you know kind of did the little twist there mm. but it goes back to that pattern interruption like we started by setting a dumpster on fire and yeah that got people to stop scrolling for a minute enough for us to tell the story after that actual dumpster fire yeah pattern yeah. interruption yep. tell a story man that is sick in a puppet show you got you guys are smoking the red bull i love it it's like <laughs> if you guys can do for um b2b marketing what uh, red bull does for you know adventure sports across the world that'd be really sick that's what we're trying like we are none of us on our team particularly enthused about the state of b2b marketing and so we're trying to be the example and trying to get our customers to be thinking about it that way too um and so yeah we're just kind of like throwing throwing the rule book out the window and just doing whatever feels right and yeah, I'm sure a lot of CFOs and CMOs would not be down with it, but um, someone's got to be, and I'm glad it's us. Well, hell, hell, man, when that puppet show takes off, you know, let let me get an interview with uh, one of your puppet people. Absolutely, <laughs> we don't know exactly puppet, the form it's going to take. Yes, no, we I, I, that's kind of part of the plan. We <laughs> want to have like the puppet be like, it, yeah, the, the, it will be on the marketing team. It, it will be a marketer on the terminus marketing team. You mean it will it's be... a real, no, the puppets are alive, man, right? Exactly, like, exactly. Real it's our new yeah. intern. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like first podcast to interview a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that the plan. Yep, sick, man. Well, dude, thanks again for coming on here, just hanging out. This has been fun. You can tell when time flies, and we're like. Yeah, we probably could go like nine more hours and oh totally. We covered a lot of ground, Casey. Yeah. This was a great time. I'm so thrilled to anytime I can chat with you. Like, let's just, you know, well worth the rescheduling uh fiasco it took to get here because right? it's just such a good time talking to you if you man. We'll have to start again, knowing it'll yeah. take us, you know, a couple quarters to get it back, but we'll, we'll get started <laughs> now. Yeah, man. It'll be good to check in and and um and keep me in the loop on the puppets and future dumpster fires. That'll be fun. You know I will, man. I appreciate it very much. Thank Sweet. you so much. I'm going to go. Oh, last shout out, right? Last shout out. Don't forget, people. Got to check out Bear Like Mouse, Spotify. Yes. Oh, Switch well, it everywhere. Yeah. At your own. Blow I don't it think up, there's people. anything. Uh, yeah, there's no parental advisor, so I'm, I'm make, good. But Make you, you know, you'll get 10 cents off of uh, all the listens, perhaps. I, I made, I'll, I'll, I'm serious. I made $6.40 last year in uh, streaming revenue, so... No big deal. Not trying Hell to. Hell yeah, that, so. man. That's $6 <laughs> more than I've ever made. So right on, dude. Right on. Um, that's sick, man. We'll definitely have, we'll have to have you come back on here. Be one of those uh, perennial uh, conversations about anything. It'll be cool. I would be honored. Sweet. For those people listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>